I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm Renee Swanson, your host. Last week, we started talking about love bombing. What is it? How is it different from genuine relationships? How do I keep from falling prey to this again in my future relationships? If you missed last week's episode, please go back and listen to that one first. Then pick it back up right here. Love bombing is when one person is overly attentive to the other one absorbed by them and uses this to gain control over the person to manipulate them. They consume you with your love, attention, and affection. I'm sorry, with their love, attention, and affection. However, once you are under their spell, their behavior turns and the devaluing begins. The cycle of love bombing and devaluing is an integral part of the relationship with a covert narcissist. But let me add a little disclaimer here. Not all relationships with a covert narcissist involve love bombing. It's part of the confusion of what they do is they don't always line up. There's a lot of similarities, but not always. People often talk about love bombing that happens at the beginning of the relationship, in fact. and, And we touched on that last week. But relationships with toxic people don't always start this way. Some relationships with a covert narcissist do not begin with love bombing, but sometimes it will then show up in the middle of the relationship, adding even more to the confusion. So you see, love bombing can show up anytime, uh, especially when you pull away or you threaten to leave. They often turn to love bombing to win you back. You might get then the grand romantic gestures, you know, the, the trips, expensive trips or or lavish gifts, and they just intense and overwhelming infatuation with you, showering you with compliments and praise. It's kind of over the top. And, and I talked about the gifts. They can be extravagant and lavish or maybe just extremely thoughtful, constant contact, wanting to spend all of their time with you. It's extreme behavior to make you feel good, validated, and loved. And when you're in the relationship, this actually might remind you of all the good times you have had. It kind of wins you back. You find yourself thinking, finally, finally, they are back. You know, now we are okay again. And you can feel so incredibly relieved. You certainly don't want to bring up any of the points of conflict anymore because you just want things to be peaceful and good. But as this happens over and over It simply adds to the confusion that you already have inside of you. You're asking yourself things like, well, which is the real him or her? You know, are they this loving and caring person that I thought they were? And maybe they just have some bad times, some bad moments, some unhealed trauma. 
Or are they a mean and spiteful person and they just have some good moments, some loving, you know, gestures? How do we answer this? How do we find the truth? One of the things that we need to do now is to step back and see if there are any red flags that we have overlooked. You see, when we're in these relationships, we're just too close to see what the truth is. Like I talked about with the stained glass window, when you're standing with your nose up against it, maybe all you see is the color purple. You just can't see the whole picture until you start stepping back. How do we step back? We remove ourselves emotionally from the relationship. We often don't see red flags during the love bombing phases because everything else looks so good. We might question the red flags, but, you know, even our own friends and family can talk us out of them. For example, they might say something like, well, but they're such an awesome person. Don't be so critical. Everyone has their issues and everyone makes mistakes. Look at how great they are. I think they're a great fit for you. Remember, covert narcissism does not show up with huge, grandiose faults. You're not being punched in the face. You're necessarily, again, there, there are some overlaps with overt narcissism with covert narcissism. You aren't being yelled at or cursed at, at least not in the beginning, typically. Covert narcissism is made up of those thousand bee stings. So it is super, super easy to overlook what seem to be minor flaws. Not to mention that you see a ton of good traits in them and they seem amazing. Your friends and family see this amazing side of them too, so they don't support your hesitations and doubts. What are some of these red flags that we notice, you know, during all this love bombing, but maybe we are willing to overlook? One is the sense that the relationship is moving too fast. This is like when I'm talking about love bombing at the beginning of a relationship. Two weeks into dating, he took me out to eat to a fancy restaurant and he wouldn't let me change after work. I was, I was dressed up for work and I came home and I wanted to put on some casual clothes. He wanted to take me out to dinner, but he wouldn't let me change. And that's fine. I mean, that does happen, but he wanted me to be all fancy. And I gave in though. I kind of really didn't want to, but after dinner, he pulled out a jewelry box. Well, on the inside, I panicked. Please don't propose to me. It's too soon. We had been dating for two weeks. What would I say? I can't say yes this fast, can I? And so in my mind, I'm trying to figure out what to say, really in a panic. I knew this was moving too fast. Thankfully, he did not give me a ring. It was earrings. And I was relieved. And I say thankfully, and, and I'm so grateful for my boys. And so I am very thankful for everything that, that I've gone through. But, you know, if he had given me a ring, maybe... Just maybe I would have left and not continued that relationship. Now, looking back, it was so clear that marriage was already in my thoughts. We were only two weeks in. Relationships with a covert narcissist often move ridiculously fast, or at least they get very serious very quickly. Another red flag that is often overlooked is the sense that they are quick to anger or quick to be defensive. I saw this. There's no doubt in my mind this, that this was the case. He was quick to anger, but it was always directed at other people and never at me. And in my mind, that made it okay. 
I don't understand why that made it okay. It's only a matter of time till that anger flips and ends up directed at me. You know, I saw this at volleyball when we played a lot of volleyball together while we were dating. And he was so quick to get angry over the score or over a debated call, whether the ball was in or the ball was out. He was so quick to get angry and, and in fact, would storm out and leave the gym. Why did I never see that as a red flag? He was angry at other drivers, you know, if anybody kind of cut him off or just pulled out in front of him. And he was so quick to be angry. But it was never aimed at me. He treated me like a queen. So I overlooked it. This is one that is often overlooked and it ought to be on our radar. It is only a matter of time until that anger and defensiveness is turned at you. Another red flag is that they are incredibly sensitive. And a lot of people look at this and, you know, they overlook it because they just see it as a sign that this person hasn't been truly loved. And what I mean incredibly sensitive is that, you know, they, they quickly will, um, will share their feelings of, of being hurt. Uh, they play that victim role, but we don't see it that way. We see it as though they've never been loved and that they don't know how to trust others because maybe their parents abused them and, and never loved them. And maybe their ex never really cared for them. They haven't ever experienced genuine love and compassion. And they definitely will tell you this. But really, is it really true that someone has never had anyone, no single person in their life who was actually genuine, genuinely caring towards them? It's possible. I'm not saying it's not. It is possible. But it's so very unlikely. But I will say that it isn't as true as covert narcissists claim it to be. Now, this red flag, a common response to it is the intense desire to love it out of them, to be the rescuer. I can be the one to show them genuine love. I can be the one to save them. We ignore these red flags because everything else looks so good. We are living in a fairy tale, a match made in heaven. So we minimize these red flags. It isn't that big of a deal. Look at all these wonderful things he does. Remember, we are being love bombed at the same time. We ignore and even undermine our own instincts. We convince ourselves that all relationships have their struggles and this isn't so bad. Shouldn't I be grateful for all the good things? I need to be more understanding. Now, when we pull away or threaten to leave or even actually leave the relationship, Covert narcissists will often begin the love bombing all over again. Narcissists hate abandonment and they hate to lose. They are incredibly competitive often. They protect that image of being the wonderful person so intensely. And so they finally return to that wonderful person that you've believed they were all of these years. And finally, here they are. Finally, you get some happiness and often intense happiness. So how can we tell the difference? What you don't find in love bombing is meaningful conversation, genuine empathy, the natural give and take or flow of a relationship, and your heart knows the difference. You don't find them trying to empathetically relate to you, to understand you, to connect with you. They don't genuinely apologize, trying to better understand and make genuine changes. 
oh, they might apologize, but it's often with blame shifting such as, you know, but you shouldn't have made me mad or you shouldn't have done this or you shouldn't have done that. They might even apologize and play the victim role. I'm so sorry. I'm such a bad person. How could you ever love me? Well, this just appeals to your sense of compassion and sympathy. It causes you to work extra hard to convince them that they are a good person. It appeals to that desire that I've already mentioned that you have to love it out of them. And in fact, you kind of end up love bombing them, sort of. It appeals to their desire. This love bombing that you do appeals to their desire that you worship them and adore them. It's manipulative. What they don't do is apologize with genuineness. They don't say, hey, I'm really sorry. And maybe leave it at that. Or maybe I didn't see it that way. I didn't realize that it would hurt you. Or I didn't think before I said that, and I should have. Think about the genuine apologies you have gotten in life from a good friend or a trusted family member. Compare these and how they made you feel with the apologies that you get or don't get from a covert narcissist. When the love bombing starts all over, it's as though the problem or issue simply disappears into thin air. It's just gone, erased by a lavish gift or a fancy date, sweeping you off their feet all over again. You make the assumption that they are back and you don't want to bring up the issue anymore because you don't want to, you know, bring all that negativity back. This, you, you convince yourself this is the true them. You let them back in and this cycle plays out all over again. You might start asking yourself, are they a good person having bad moments? Or are they a bad person having good moments? Whenever this question comes up, I look back at the issue of empathy. Covert narcissists do not have empathy. I desire to be an emotionally supportive person. I cherish that side of me. I want to be compassionate and caring. When I offer emotional support to someone who is open and receptive, it's incredibly rewarding and energizing. Have you ever had this experience? You know, it doesn't agree. Um, it doesn't, sorry, it doesn't matter if they agree with everything that you say or not. That doesn't matter. But they engage in the conversation. They hear what you have to say and they might even have an aha moment. Or they might add to what you say with thoughts of their own and then, you know, like have some aha of, of oh man, I never think of it that way. Whether that idea ended up coming from you or from them doesn't matter because it's not a competition. It's, it's a mutual connection where you get to some good conclusions. They might even disagree with what you're saying and explore in another direction. But again, they do it with you, not against you. They are open to the conversation receptive to the give and take and, and appreciative of the emotional support, and it is not competitive. But when you are with a covert narcissist, you offer emotional support and it gets turned against you. You get told that you are angry or that you are judgmental or that you're just expecting perfection or that, you know, only you're the one that only one that can have good ideas or, you know, you never like any of my ideas they might even say things like, I'm just never good enough for you. Or you always think that you are better than me. And again, it goes back to that competitive uh, spirit. When all you were doing was trying to be supportive 
and understanding. Your intentions are completely genuine, but they certainly do not take it that way. You offer emotional support and it simply is not enough. Earlier, I described, you know, offering the emotional support to a receptive person and they engage in the conversation, exploring even their own heart, their own thoughts too. However, with a covert narcissist, you end up becoming the one doing all the emotional work in the relationship. And then you get blamed for it not being enough or for being in the way of their happiness. It's like they lean on you as a crutch and then blame you for their lack of ability to walk. If someone has a broken leg and they need crutches, these crutches are not for the purpose of using them for the rest of your life. They're not a permanent part of your life taking away your ability to walk. If the person does not do the work necessary to regain their strength, then yeah, they probably will not walk securely. They have to do the self-care the physical therapy, the stretches, the exercises. If they don't, their leg will not function at its best. And they can sit there on their couch and blame their inability to walk on their crutches. You know, it's because of these stupid things that my leg doesn't work anymore. But I think we can all see how ridiculous that would be. The reality is they are the ones to blame themselves because they didn't do the work. They didn't take personal responsibility for themselves and for their healing. In fact, this can even fall into self-fulfilling prophecy and self-sabotaging behavior. If, the, if I want to blame the crutches, that is my complete intent and desire, then I won't do the work or maybe kind of just do it half-heartedly so I can prove myself right. See, it is the crutches fault. This happens in the relationship with the covert narcissist. See, it is your fault that I'm not happy or that I'm hurt or that I'm angry. Overlooking the fact that they put in no effort of their own or that they made half-hearted attempts. They can come back and say, well, see, I tried. But you know and you can see that those attempts were almost worthless. They want to be able to blame you because that gets them off the hook. It makes them look like the good person and you the monster, and that's easier for them. You know, he used to tell me, I'm trying to have a good relationship with the boys, but they don't want it because you're in the way. You're the one interfering with that. They always come to you, and you fix everything for them. You have good times with them without me. It's your fault that I don't have a good relationship with my boys but he was completely overlooking the fact that when he was with them, he talked so sharply to them. He talked so painfully to them, guard dogging for anything that they did wrong or even just differently, it, it just wrong in his eyes so that he could correct them and educate them. And, you know, he loved to educate them and teach them. And it, it was just so painful, making them feel constantly judged and on edge. He undermined his entire relationship with them over and over and blamed that on me. He says he wants a good relationship with them and yet constantly sabotage that, fulfilling his own prophecy that they don't want to spend time with him and then passing the blame. So is this a good person occasionally having bad moments? Or is it a bad person occasionally having good moments? 
I want to change that question. We all have good and bad moments. And for me, none of that was the ultimate deciding factor in whether I stayed or left. The way I want to ask the question is, is this an open person? Receptive to the good and bad moments of everyone, of me, of our kids, and even of themselves. Are they understanding that everyone has good and bad moments? Do they give you space for that? Do they give you space to be human, to be less than perfect, to be forgiven and accepted? That's the way I like to ask that question. How do you prevent all this from happening in your future relationships? By your own awareness, your own development, your own self-reflection, your own open eyes. As you learn and grow, start paying attention to your heart again. Your heart knows the difference. Learn to trust your instincts once again. Set boundaries around you to never lose yourself again, to never lose trust in you. If you would like to explore this process further, join one of my group coaching sessions. These sessions are life-changing. Connecting with other victims who are on the same journey as you is incredibly validating and motivating. Our next round of group sessions begins at the beginning of August. To sign up to receive more information, visit covertnarcissism.com, www.covertnarcissism.com. Or you also can do it by visiting www.cng, I'm sorry, cnglifecoaching.com. That's CNG as in Covert Narcissism Group, lifecoaching.com. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.